We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 2003 comic book movie, Daredevil. Whoa, that's how you pronounce it? I've been calling it Dared Evil to everybody. <laughs> we are at a beautiful point in time where we really are, are nestled between the release of Thor Ragnarok and Justice League. And so we're like, this is a beautiful Venn diagram opportunity for us. And right at the middle of that Marvel Ben Affleck Venn diagram is Dared Evil. (laughs) You keep saying it like that. It's a habit. (laughs) Yes, Dared Evil uh, is the 2003 uh, debut of superheroed Ben Affleck. Uh, In November of 2006... Ben Affleck stated that he would never reprise the role of Daredevil, saying, and I quote, By playing a superhero in Daredevil, I have inoculated myself from ever playing another superhero. Wearing a costume was a source of humiliation for me and something I wouldn't want to do again soon. So soon is relative to him because then, just seven years later, he accepted the role of playing Batman. And Batman very Superman, colon, Donna <laughs> Justice. So um, let's take you guys back to a time known as the early 2000s. This is pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is pre... Um, actually, is it pre-Dark Knight? Uh, actually, w- when did Batman Begins come out? This is Batman, Be- Batman Begins came out, I want to say 2005. No, we're going to look... Yeah, you're right. 2005. Oh, Very good. yeah. I win that specific game. <laughs> so this is pre-all of that uh, to a time where the most successful movies um, at this time are the Marvel superhero movies that have come out after the Joel Schumacher Batman. So we've talked before on the podcast about how important and revolutionary the first two uh, Batman films were because prior to Tim Burton's Batman movies, uh, Batman, especially as a franchise, was seen to be kind of dead. If they a lot of people saw it as like super campy. And so with the tonal shift of making the movie dark, uh, people were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so Batman became like a wildly successful film. Then um, after Tim Burton was kicked off of Batman after Batman Returns, um, Joel Schumacher was brought in to direct the series to give it more of a lighter tone uh, with uh, Batman Forever. And then subsequently Batman and Robin and then um, with the Joel Schumacher Batman, Batman was kind of back to the campy era. So that's important history because then after that, the very first Marvel film uh, came out, and that is Blade. Blade was a dark, darker movie. It was edgy, and it made a ton of money in the box office. And Hollywood did the thing that they always do, which is, oh, a thing made money at the box office? Let's copy paste the formula and keep it going so after that um they did x-men and then after that they did actually they did blade 2 and then they did x-men then after that they did spider-man and then after spider-man along came a daredevil and so daredevil came out at this time where um originally it was supposed to be an r-rated movie like uh the the director's cut another movie that has a fun and exciting story about director's cut uh it's supposed to be a rated r movie but they were in production for daredevil 
while Spider-Man was getting all this acclaim and success as a movie. And so originally the movie had around uh, about $50 million, which is, you know, it's a lot of money to regular humans, but to a movie that's considered like not not a whole lot. Uh, so after Spider-Man became a success, the budget was raised to $80 million to um, accomplish all of the different feats that you saw. So the interesting thing about this movie, um, as I'm like and, uh, waxing a lot of this from memory, um, a really interesting thing about this movie in particular is because this movie is such a culmination of all these things that were very popular at the time and all the things that worked at the time. So it's weird because the movie to me has a little bit, a hint of Matrix, a little dash of Spider-Man. And I, I, I think, I think a, I think a, a little bit of a pinch, if you will, of, uh, of some, uh, the Batman Returns, you know, it's a little bit of dark, it's a little bit gritty. And I think if, uh, my senses are correct, uh, a lot of bit of, uh, Tony Hawk, uh, skating, <laughs> Just yep. the the yeah, the, yeah. the game. That's um, uh, very accurate, Ricky. You are a cinema sommelier. Ooh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little bit of the context. Um, like we said, this movie is called Daredevil, based off of the comic book of the same name, following the story of Matt Murdock, lawyer by day and vigilante hero by night, but blind by always <laughs> and oh, blind by always. Um, and so basically a uh, blind lawyer who fights for justice in the courtroom and on the streets of New York as a masked vigilante daredevil. Uh, Jennifer Garner plays his love interest, Electra Nachios and Colin Farrell. Oh, Colin Farrell <laughs> uh, plays the merciless assassin bullseye perfectly let me just say that before we get into anything perfectly colin farrell is the best person in this movie and i want more of him um david keith uh plays uh, jack the devil murdoch matt murdoch's father and michael clark duncan plays wilson fisk also known as the kingpin uh so the movie was marketed in a ton of ways. Like we said, it was the early 2000s. So they had a really interesting marketing campaign, Grayson. As part of the online form marketing, a viral email drive was started where participants uh, would be entered into a contest where they could win prizes such as Daredevil t-shirts, Game Boy Advance games, and cufflinks. You know, they know their market. Oh, yeah. Three things kids love. <laughs> And so to enter, all you had to do is to book a ticket for the film online in advance and pass an email on to someone else. Yeah, but I got to wait for the disc to come in the mail to get more hours of AOL. That's right. Priorities. So it had a very critical reaction. Uh, a lot of people like either loved it or hated it. A lot of the people at the time were praising it again for its action and its very like Greek tragedy storyline. Um, but it grossed over $179 million against the budget of about, like we said, $80 million. Um, so... Again, this movie, like, it did well for its time, enough to uh, garner a spinoff, pun always attended, with Jennifer oh. Garner <laughs> as Electra, an Electra solo film, which was huge for its time, but that movie tanked 
so hard. The Electro movie tanked so hard that um, the studios who owned the rights uh, allowed their ownership of the property to lapse so that it then went back to Marvel. So the licensing for Daredevil went back to Marvel, which is why we have the amazing um, Marvel Netflix series Daredevil. So that is this movie's history. That's a lot, but I thought it was really interesting just to take a look at the time that it was made because it's just so, it's so many things in the early 2000s. It's, it's phenomenal. And you, Ricky, you always bring so much like well-researched material. I want to just throw one thing in here. Uh, Daredevil filmed from March 1st, 2002 to August 6th, 2002. Which, if you do the math, is several months. <laughs> you are so correct. So there you go. See, I'm a researcher, just like you. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into our reactions. Grayson, um, when was the first time that you actually watched Daredevil? Man, it was last night. <laughs> no way. That was yeah. your first time seeing it? That was my it? first time seeing it. Oh, yes. Please tell me everything. <laughs> so I've watched. I watched season one and two of daredevil on netflix so i was familiar with the backstory of matt murdoch i had very low expectations for this movie and they were exceeded in every way (laughs) super appreciate how brief the origin story is it's like as a kid his dad was a boxer he got acid in his eyes and like (laughs) next thing you know he's really good at martial arts and he already has all this equipment like i'm so glad i didn't have to sit through another scene of him like sewing a costume together or something <laughs> like that um, who's your tailor right which they go into a lot of that netflix but you're able to like have multiple episodes for it uh is like okay yeah he has a cool costume deal with it um and i, th- I thought that was really uh really sweet uh he also uh, shockingly has no problem killing people oh like, my gosh murdering people yeah apparently he's just like hmm you can't spell murder without murdoch like (laughs) yeah halfway there (laughs) also uh what's up with the crazy spinning locks i've never seen anything like that in my life (laughs) like no reference point for what he was really doing I, like when when he did that, I was like really confused. But then I was like, "Oh, are we supposed to believe that he just know like can hear it? Like when the chamber yeah. clicks? Because like the I don't know what kind of one way directional lock he has. But you have to go left and right, not just circles. Like that's like the that's like he did the equivalent of one two three four password or password one." Mm-hmm. As his password, just like someone's like, ah, oh, what's the combination? I don't know, just try sliding it. Oh, I guess that's it. Yeah, I don't know who that helps, but apparently <laughs> it's him somehow. And then, like, what? What? Do you, why do you sleep in a bathtub? Okay, that's the only thing I was like, I was thinking, maybe that's a comic book thing. Like, maybe that's something. But then it was in that scene later on where he heard someone screaming And he just stopped, and then he just, like, laid down. I think it's just to muffle sounds. Gotta be a better way. There there is. um, You know, earplugs. Like, it's it's simple. But I think that that's what we are led to believe. And one of the things that... So, I watched this movie first randomly. I want to say I was a teenager, maybe uh, 2005-ish. I was... Like, my family traveled somewhere... And 
my body decided it was time to wake up and I turn on the TV and HBO is playing Daredevil. And I said, well, I guess this is the time I'm going to watch Daredevil. And it was. And I remember at the time watching, I'm like, oh, this is like really good. But now watching it after, this is the first time I've watched Daredevil after watching the Marvel Netflix series. And everyone was like, oh, this is so much better than that stupid movie. Here's the thing. Say what you will, this movie did a lot of things right. Um, And one of them is making the best villains. Colin Farrell, as Bullseye, is the single greatest gift that this movie has to give you. I mean, there are other great things, but him as evil like the fact that he there's this moment where he smells a flower and he hates the smell of it i'm like you're so (laughs) evil and his first line in the entire movie is after he kills this old woman by flicking a peanut in her like throat Mm -hmm. the flight attendant says can i get you anything else some more peanuts would be great thanks i'm just like you are every like i feel like the movie because he said i'm a magician i really do feel like the director or the producer someone was just like you know what i hate street magicians david blaine mind freak i hate it what if the villain was that and that's what they made bullseye uh, I don't know if in the comics he's a lot like that. I don't even care. Colin Farrell's Bullseye and Daredevil is what I want always. 100%. And it's worth noting that that peanut line was not his first scene. Because the first scene, he doesn't have to say anything. It's Nothing. an amazing revelation of uh, of a villain. Of just being like, let his actions speak for him. That's what he does best. Uh, so that was really fun. I also, to your point about the villains, I realized that whether it's Vincent D'Onofrio or Michael Clark Duncan, the character of Wilson Fisk scares me in a very real way. Yes. Um, what is different here than I remember from season one of Daredevil is the, the rose that being like an artifact that Fisk leaves on his victims, which I thought was interesting. It was like a nice touch. It was kind of like the opposite of the bachelor where he's like, if he, (laughs) if he doesn't want you around, he gives you a rose. I want to spend the rest of your life dead. Uh, (laughs) Here's a rose. The only thing that caught me off guard with this movie is that tonally. It's so weird. They have a lot of things that are trying to fit into this movie. So like in the same movie where we have daredevil saying, Hey, you're going to die via train. We have this super like matrix training scene in the playground with like, I, here's the thing. I, I think that there is, I'm I'm declaring it here, or maybe someone else declared it, and I'm just now making the same connection. But anytime you have a superhero in a playground, it's not the greatest. Um, I point to exhibit A, Catwoman. When Halle Berry starts playing basketball and Catwoman, it is one of the weirdest things, because you just, it's a whole bunch of like, Let's just put wires on these people and watch them fly around. Um, the same kind of thing happens, and it's just a weird tonal shift. Because I'm like, wait, I thought this was like this really dark, brooding movie. It's like, oh, but this really bright fighting scene that yeah. would defy all kinds of logic. Um, 
but that 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 was just a, a weird thing for me. But then anytime Daredevil is jumping from rooftop to rooftop, I get that you're trying to do comic accurate stuff. But like there are several times where I'm just like, oh, he's he's Spider Man. He's just Spider Man at this point in time, and I'm not sure how because I I I think it's a matter of. If you look at the new Daredevil, for example, he's basically a free runner and mm-hmm. does a bunch of parkour. Yeah. Um, if they would have stuck to that, I wouldn't have thought of anything. But I want to credit it to its time where they weren't doing a ton of superheroes jumping from rooftops, doing a lot of things like that and showing what it looked like. So I, I will give them credit for like imagining that and showing that. But there were so many different things that I was like, oh, this feels weird. But then like after... The second act, it's all fairly consistent, um, with the exception of anytime Evanescence was playing, mm. it took me entirely out of the movie and put me right back into 2003. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's my biggest reaction. Uh, those are my reactions to uh, the movie. I, I was pleasantly surprised because I was expecting it to be like Catwoman level of mm. movie, and it's not. You're grading on a curve. You're well above average. Yeah. Grayson? Ricky? Do you hear that? What are you talking about, Ricky? I don't hear anything. Well, Grayson, uh, I, I I forgot to tell you about this. Uh, I have a, a very special set of skills that allows me to hear very specifically when we're about to launch into a head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Now, Grayson, as you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while. Yeah, season um, three. Season three. I couldn't help but notice how many times we have reviewed a movie with the one, the only, Joe Pantoliano. Joe Pantoliano. Old Joe Pan is following us, I'd say, because we picked this movie for the Venn diagram reason we said <laughs> we really earlier. Did. And when I watched the trailer, I said, Ricky... You're going to figure something out about our choice. You did! And I can't believe that it happened again. It is... We were living the trailer of Hangover 2 where he says, I can't believe it happened again. You're so right. That is the thing. Yet, Joe Pantoliano, I am telling you, this is the second time that he has played someone close to the law. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ben Urick. And so I want to say, one... Either this is him pre-Memento, same character. Um, oh, because, so this is Teddy. Yeah, so this is Teddy. Okay. Um, or that this is Teddy's brother. Brother. His twin brother. Old Teddy Urich. <laughs> yeah, because he's a you know, journalist, and then Teddy is a, a cop. But yeah, they're, they're running the same circles. At family reunions, they compare notes. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes on to try to take down uh, Aldrich Killian from Iron Man 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pan knows how to wear a hat, by the way. Uh, Yeah, he does. He's got a head for hats. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, this is also um, his life after he decided to not live a life of crime, um, after the lesson that he learned from the Goonies. Oh, that's nice. It's a Reformation story. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. Did you have any other headcanon? Not one. Nice, because I got a couple, so I'm going to move through it pretty quickly. Be more conceptual. Um, Okay, so very quickly, 
that this is a prequel to Iron Man and actually an orange story. Orange story. Ooh, that's that Fantastic tasty. Four. This is uh, an origin story for Happy, John Favreau's character. Um, they only actually say his name of Franklin Nelson one time, and I don't think they call him Foggy. Not uh, once. I was looking yeah. for it. They, so they don't call it that. But we, we know him as Foggy. Um, and so my my thought is that these nicknames of Foggy and Happy are actually uh, very metaphorical in their states of like he was in this life of uh, like trying to make it as a lawyer. He was not happy. So he moved on to become happy and pursued his dream of kind of working for himself, which turned into working for Tony Stark. So the name change is more of a symbolic gesture, but I think it makes sense because, uh, you know, there's a lot of history with Foggy and Matt Murdock. And so uh, a lot of the the sparring, the the boxing, like that, that's part of their neighborhood that they grew up in. Um, and so it's just that Hell's Kitchen boxing mentality, uh, which is pretty prominent in in marvel if you look at uh like wolverine has has boxing ties um captain america has it spider-man like there's a ton of this like actual boxing fighting uh but specifically with the character of foggy slash happy you see it pay off later in iron man 2 when he spars with black widow he holds his own for like a second uh, because Black Widow is an international assassin, but he still regularly gets in the ring and and fights Tony Stark. So he has some experience there that he probably picked up in Hell's Kitchen, uh, making him a viable sparring partner. So he has uh, this legal profile that would attract a Stark-like personality uh, to hire him. Like he's got some notoriety. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got that plus one mentality. Like, even though he strives to get ahead, yeah. he lives to serve other people, uh, which is partially why he got into the position that, that he is. And he says, like, I'm a plus oneer. Like, I, I, I don't get anywhere by myself. I need others to bring me there, which is why he would want to attach to Tony Stark. Um, he's also very concerned with things like money, which would drive him to a lucrative opportunity like Stark. And in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, you see a lot of happy, uh, and he's very hesitant to help Peter. And I, I believe that's because he sees a lot of young Matt in Peter and saw the path that it pushed him down. Moving on, I got a different headcanon that does involve Foggy, but it's more about the universe that almost was. Uh, There are several conversations, kind of a through line through the movie with Foggy, is the alligators in the sewers. He talks about this a lot. I believe that if they had pursued an MCU-style relationship between Daredevil and Spider-Man, those alligators in the sewer would pay off to be Dr. Kurt Connors, uh, and that is what he is referring to. Yee, 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 yee. Lastly, as a total left turn, uh, but it involves... Uh, Joe Pan, where this is Cypher's recruitment test for the Matrix. Um, So he is following someone that they are currently testing as the one. But as they test for the one, they are testing for people to recruit uh, onto it. And so that's why the rooftop jumping makes sense. It's actually Murdoch is like breaking through the matrix to do these rooftop jumps. Uh, oh that's gosh. why the rain isn't actually rain. It's him being able to see through the code. You can see the code. Oh my God. He was so close to being right the there. one. 
Um, and it's also why he gravitates towards the color red. Why specifically why Yurik gravitates towards it? He goes, hey, cool color. Because the red pill is like the woman in the red. woman in red. Exactly. So oh. th- you see a lot of those ties. The most compelling piece of evidence, though, was that the red sunglasses that Matt Murdock wears as Daredevil are almost exactly the sunglasses that Joe Pantoliano wears as uh, Cypher in the Matrix. Like the red sunglasses are, it's uncanny how similar these things are. Um, and you mentioned playground fights, never goes well. You got playground fights. So there you go. They're the same universe as the Matrix. Um, and then if I could add a, uh, a after credit sequence to my headcanon, it would be that the Capital One Venture card ads exist in the same world because it brings Elektra and Nick Fury together. And you can get the Quicksilver card. So that finally unites Fox and MCU because they both have Quicksilvers. Oh, Grayson, you did it. Congratulations. You should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. It was a late night. (laughs) Let's go ahead and uh, hop on over to uh, Recast and Remake, uh, where we imagine a world where, crazy idea, if this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? Um, I watched this movie, and especially after watching the Marvel Netflix Daredevil, I could not help. But imagine going back into the early 2000s if they had Jackie Chan as Daredevil. Oh. Just because I want to see all the stunts. I want to see all the crazy things that he does. The way he fights is just amazing. That's just a fan idea. Um, but if it were to be remade today, like let's just say, um, and I hate to even mention the words, but let's just say the Marvel Netflix Daredevil didn't exist. And they're like, let's make this into a movie and a movie franchise that's a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I would, I mean, I'd have to go with who they cast in uh, the uh, Marvel Netflix Daredevil. I mean, Charlie Cox would be amazing because he already is amazing. And him in the movie, I think, would be even, like, it's hard to imagine him... And not a great Daredevil role because he he does a lot of his uh, own stunts and he's a very compelling actor and very sympathetic and conflicted. I love him. I love him to bits. But I would also love to see Jake Johnson. The banana pancakes guy? <laughs> uh, no, he is Nick from New Girl. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's good in The Mummy. Because he can do serious. Yeah. But I, I think he could do charming really well as that. And I just want to see him in more things. I would love to see him in more of an action role. In the role of Foggy, I would probably have Joe Lo Truglio. Oh, yeah, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, a.k.a. Charles Boyle. Um, and then continuing my Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, Stephanie Beatrice as Electra. Oh, she'd be great. And... Man. Um, Terry Crews as Kingpin. Ooh, that's really good. I like that a lot. He'd yeah. be terrifying. And then Bullseye, um, Colin Farrell. Like, I'm not recasting that. The way he delivered every line, every moment was perfection. And it's hard to come across perfection <laughs> that perfect. So that's my cast. Solid cast. For Matt Murdock on my recast um, to capture the brooding side of it, but still affable when needed, I have Ryan Gosling. 
For Electra, I have Alexandra Daddario. Uh, for Foggy, this is probably the one I'm most excited about. And Zizan Sorry. <laughs> yes. Mostly God. because of the things that Foggy says. Where he's like, I'm a plus one. Like, I gotta be attached to people. I need people to bring me along. Uh, I could see him getting worked up over uh, Matt's altruistic nature in their, their law firm partnership. Uh, and then for Bullseye, I would really like Luke Evans. I thought he consistently Ooh. does really good performances. He was Gaston in The New Beauty and the Beast. Um, and he, he could uh, deliver on that. And then for Kingpin, John Goodman, just because I'm on a Goodman kick. <laughs> when I think of like huge, powerful people that can terrify me with a sentence, I yes. think of John Goodman. Um, Did you recently watch a... Uh, Cloverfield? Not recently. I watched that in theaters, though, uh, and he is so scary. Um, and if you watch, like, Barton Fink, Barton Fink, he is fantastic. But he just has that presence where he wouldn't have to say anything in a scene. You just, like, see him walk in with the cane. Yeah. And let me just add this real quick, completely out of uh, segment order, but, like, can we say, like, this is one of the few movies that does multiple villains right. Yeah. There's the, levels. It's oh a video my, game. There are yeah. levels. Yeah. It's like onions. There are layers. No, your levels is better. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I was so impressed with how each villain had their role and their place, and they were working together, not against each other. Like, oh, man, well done. Like That's another one of the things that this movie did really well. It's just yeah. multiple villains um, having layered and connected motivation, you know? Yeah. Ah, uh, all right, Grayson. My daredevil senses. I'm sorry. My daredevil senses are telling me that it's time to wrap up this podcast with reasons mm-hmm. to recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Grayson, why don't you tell us your reasons to recommend the 2003 Daredevil movie? If you have not seen this movie. You probably have heard about it. Go in with low expectations and allow yourself to be wooed because that's that's what happened to me. I was expecting like really bottom of the barrel stuff and I was surprised at what I found. Like they packed this thing with the right talent to make it work. I like a lot of the construction of the movie. They start at a good late point. Uh, they build on the the obstacles in a very logical way. But at the heart of it, this cast is what makes this movie so fun. So for those reasons, I, I would recommend that you check out Daredevil if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, there's a good chance that you've seen the new Daredevil. So just take a walk down memory lane and uh, appreciate it for being able to kickstart uh, and bring Daredevil to uh, public consciousness where it probably wasn't as accessible before uh, in comic form. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. You might know Colin Farrell for his roles in The Phone Booth, the phone Total booth. Recall, in Bruges, Miami Vice even. I will forever, forever know him as Bullseye in giving me every ounce of life i could have ever wanted he is so good that's why i recommend this movie first and foremost if you want to see 
Colin Farrell giving 110% and playing just the evilest of evils. You, you have to treat yourself to this experience. Um, but overall, the Daredevil movie is such a product of its time. I think it's so fascinating how it was uh, different bits from a lot of the superhero movies at the time. And it did way more than what I was expecting it to do. Like I said, if you've heard people say, oh, that movie's so bad, and you kind of like have hopped on the bandwagon, I'm like, yeah, it's probably terrible because... It can't be better than this. I would check yourself before you wreck yourself, Fred. Because mm. this movie does have a lot to give. It's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of action. And the story is still very compelling. Um, and it is really cool to see a movie from a property that has been so well received later in life. And going back and seeing uh, what probably didn't land well for people back then. Because again, like we didn't have... Dark Knight at all at this point in time. So, like, there was not this gold standard of, like, superhero movie to be established. And so people were still figuring it out and experimenting, like, seeing what worked. Uh, And so I would definitely recommend looking at that, especially if you're a fan of superhero movies. Um, And especially if you have been listening to this podcast and haven't seen it. This must be a very confusing time for you. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of things will make sense if you go back and watch uh, the 2003 Daredevil. All right, so that is our review of Daredevil, um, the 2003 movie. Uh, let us know what you remember about the Daredevil movie on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at Flashback Flicks. And I must say, uh, we have been getting a lot of love over there. So I want to give a quick shout out to uh, James, a.k.a. at VGC Kenny, who's always uh, very awesome and sharing a lot of uh, love and lots of headcanon for the podcast. So thank you so much, uh, James, for everything you share and uh, another quick shout out to Kristen Hines our friend um, who corrected us uh, because last week I said that uh, the Goonies came out in 1984 uh, came out in 1985 and she let me know uh, in the kindest of ways so thank you Kristen for listening Uh, so yes thank you so much uh, for following us on Twitter and letting us know your thoughts about this movie Uh, it's so fun having a back and forth conversation with you all Uh, and it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts the artist formerly known as uh, iTunes Podcast but please leave us a review on a scale of one to five senses how would you rate oh yeah how would you rate this podcast is it ben affleck smelling the shoulder (laughs) of jennifer garner which he only kind of pulls off or is it full-on rain matrix code probably the pinnacle of of the senses yep actually if you really like it then you can rate us a Haley joel osmond because it means we got a sixth sense that's off the hey, charts. Just leave a review that says Haley Joel Osmond. We'll know what it means. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Rewind.